0: So we're going to do things a little different today, if that's okay with you. Um, rather than a three-point sermon, um, we're just going to kind of have a family talk today. Is that okay? So if you're visiting with us, no judging, because <laughs> you're coming right into right into fireside chat. Um, but we've been talking about covenant relationships um, in... September we talk about relationship. Um, and so we've talk about covenant and what covenant means and what covenant does. And um, there's a quote we've been relying on from Tim Keller, who is a pretty awesome pastor in uh, New York City. Um, but the quote is this about covenant. He says, "When over the years, someone has seen you at your worst and knows you with all your strengths and flaws, yet commits himself or herself to you wholly, it is a consummate experience. To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense. It humbles us out of our self-righteousness and fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. That's good. I want to be loved like that, don't you? And I I want to be able to love like that without pretense, right, with humility, knowing that people are going to stick with you even when they see you on your worst day. (laughs) They see the worst stuff that doesn't look like Jesus yet come out of you, and they're going to stick with you. I want to be able to love like that, and I want want to love like that. We have a few chances to have covenant relationships. Um, number one, when we repent of our sins and turn our lives over to the Lord, we have covenant relationship with him. And so the past couple of weeks, oh, kids, if you're fifth grade and under, I just went right to it. Miss Betty is like beckoning to you right <laughs> from the stairs. Kids, you can go ahead and go up to your class. If you're visiting with us, you've got a child who's fifth grade or under, Um, they can head up with the herd. If you want to see where they're going, you're welcome to do that. Yeah, sorry about that. Some of them, I think, already escaped. They were like, this isn't my thing. (laughs) But we have covenant relationship with God. We've entered into relationship with God. We have covenant relationship with him, right? And that covenant is based on his character and not our character. Uh, We talked about Genesis 15 when God made covenant with Abraham. And they go through all the, you know, all the steps of the covenant. They Cut up the animal, there's blood everywhere. Um, and instead of Abraham and God walking covenant to each other, God walks the entire covenant to Abraham in Genesis 15, right? Signifying Abraham was not going to be able to carry his end of covenant. And so God was going to carry the whole thing, right? Abraham had to stay surrendered to the covenant, but God was going to carry the covenant. And then Jesus, uh, when he brings his disciples together, um, Corinthians 11 tells us, that what he said to them was this. He said, this is a new covenant I make in my blood, like not the blood of a cut-up animal, not the torn-up body of an animal, but in my broken body and in my shed blood, I make a new covenant with you, right? Who carries your covenant with God? Yeah, Jesus carries the covenant that we have with God, and you have to know that, because on your very worst day, me. No, no. There are hand signals. They're for me. They're not. They're for someone who's very embarrassed now. Okay. <laughs> On your very worst day, you have to know that God is carrying the covenant. Right? The day when you have failed the worst, you have to know he's carrying the covenant. Otherwise, there's no way that you will run into his throne of gro- room of grace in your time of need. What you'll do is say, okay, how do I dig myself out of this so I can be good enough? And you won't be able to. (laughs) And you'll live in those cycles, right? So you've got to know that Jesus is carrying the covenant. It doesn't mean that we live any old crazy way. We say surrender to the covenant. But you have to know it's through Jesus' work the covenant is built, is created, and we enter into covenant based on his work. And so God's disposition toward you is based on his character, not yours. Are you becoming more like Jesus? Is your character, is the virtue, we talked about virtues a couple weeks ago, is virtue improved? Yeah, but you've got to know your relationship is built on his character. You have to know that. Otherwise, everything we believe for is what we can control. When I pray for the sick, I believe they're going to get healed because when I pray for the sick, I believe they're going to get healed. Why? Because Jesus is worthy to heal, right? If I pray for the sick, and I feel like they're only going to get healed if I was exceptionally awesome, then my faith is in me. How many of you have had that happen, where you have actually, like, you've prayed for someone and been like, man, I'm just not feeling it. Like, you're just not in a good place. And so believing what's going to happen next is based on what? How good I am. Don't we tend to do that? Instead of saying, you know, Jesus is always worthy to heal. Whether I had a great time of abiding this morning or not, like Jesus is still worthy to heal, we tend to make our relationship and our faith, we don't realize we're doing it, but our faith becomes about how good we're doing. And we're never doing very good when that's how it is, right? Oh, that's super nice, Kev. It's really nice. So it's pretty awesome to live in covenant that way, right? I'll, I'll keep that too, just in case I need it, yeah. Um, it's pretty awesome, because now I can do this. <laughs> so pretty awesome to live in that kind of covenant. We say surrender to covenant, but God is, I mean, it's his character. That's what's, that's what's pulling the covenant forward. That's what's, right? That's pretty awesome. And here's the cool thing. So we live in covenant with God, right? We have in this covenant community with God, in this covenant communion with God, but out of that covenant communion, there are a couple of other kinds of covenants we can live in with each other. There's the marriage covenant, right? Which is the origin of family, which is the basis of society, right? So there's marriage covenant, which we'll be able to get a little bit more into next week. Um, But there's also the covenant community of faith. I get to be part of a church And not just like the church universal, right? This mystical sense of church. But actual people who have bad breath that I sit next to. People who can sing and who can't sing. People who I really admire and really like and people who irritate me. And all of us together make up this covenant community of Christ. And we learn how to love each other well. Because in the covenant community of Christ, a local church where you worship, guess what? Whosoever will may come. So church is not me and my three buddies talking about Jesus at Starbucks. We, we had church. No, we didn't. Right? We talked about Jesus. But church are not the three people that I chose because I liked them the most. Church is like whosoever will may come and When people become part of the body, what happens? We talked about gifts in August, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What happens? All the gifts are given to every single believer, right? Different gifts are given to every single believer so we can all come to full maturity in Christ. So guess what that means? If they walk through the door and this is their covenant community, I have an obligation to them. And they have an obligation to me. Because we can't come to full maturity without each other. And so you have to learn to live humbly. There, it is not possible to do church the way that Jesus said and have people you don't like, and you sit on this side because they sit on that side. It's not, that is like an abomination. Like you can't, you actually have to love people. Even when you don't like them, you have to make decisions to love people. Covenant community, and a covenant community isn't consumer based. Well, as long as you're doing stuff for me, I'll do stuff for you, right? It's not a consumer relationship. A covenant relationship is not a consumer relationship. A covenant relationship is about commitment, where we talked about a couple weeks ago. A covenant is a covenant because it is based on relationship and love, but it's enduring. There's like a legal aspect to it, which we see in marriage for sure. There's an enduring sense of covenant, so. Nicole, and I'm just going to say Nicole and Gabe, because I'm, I'm jumping the gun, I shouldn't say that, but I'm just going to say Nicole. When they go move and minister to some place, let's say after some covenants have, whatever. <laughs> if, that is God's will, okay. Right? They're going to be out here, but guess what? They're still going to have a covenant family here. The relationship should be enduring, right? So we have this chance to have covenant relationships. So um, we're going to do a little bit of a family meeting today because we about our covenant relationship um, together. There's some really practical things that we need to do together. And so we're going to have a little powwow today um, about um, some of those things. In this house, our mission is to equip people to be and make disciples. That's our mission, to equip people to be and make disciples. So if you think of your disciple of Jesus, what does that mean? What is a disciple? A disciple is someone who is learning the character and competencies of their master. So I want to be like he is, and I'm able to do what he does, character and competency. That's what we want to do. So the character, the virtues of Jesus, right? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, all these things we want to see growing in us. But we also want to do what he did. And what did he say? He said, go in my name and heal the sick and raise the dead and deliver the oppressed and preach the acceptable day of the Lord. Come on. Those are the things that he did. And so for disciples, we're growing in both of those capacities, both his character and his competencies. And we see this church's mission as a place to equip people to be disciples in that way, and also to go make disciples. Jesus gave us one mission, go make disciples. That's the one mission he gave us. He didn't say go make churches. He said go make disciples. If you make disciples, you're going to have a church. But you can go plant a church and not have disciples. (laughs) Right? This covenant community of faith church is so crucially important, but it is not the mission. The mission is to go make disciples. And we can very easily move the goalpost and say, hey, we're doing good. Like, we have programs and we have stuff and we have coffee now. Right? And not make any disciples. That would be a bummer. Healthy things should be replicating themselves, right? Jesus said we should be bearing fruit. If we're abiding, we should bear much fruit. And so if we think about our covenant community and our goal of making disciples, um, there are a lot of things that go into that. We have a lot of teaching in the house, right? There's a lot of things that God has brought us through. And it really feels like, to me, we're at a point now where we're, we're almost turning a corner where it's like, man, I mean, what everyone says, right? When everyone's talking about, the church, everyone's like, we love each other so well. Like, I love it. People are so loving. It's family. family. Great. But guess what? The family should grow because we can just enjoy being together and doing our stuff and our worship team sounds really good. And But how many of you know like the family should grow? And I don't mean like if people are plugged into churches, they need to stay plugged into those churches. I'm talking about people who don't know Jesus should be discovering Jesus because we are in their spheres of influence. It's time. It's time. You're never gonna feel super confident in all the character and competencies of Jesus. And our faith isn't in ourselves anyway. If you see darkness around you and you're the light he's put there, guess what? You're the one he trusts. He didn't put Pastor Alyssa there. He didn't put Ben there. He didn't put He put you there. And guess what? when people experience Jesus and they see his goodness and when people get saved, it's not because somebody was like super polished. It's because they were surrendered with the Holy spirit was doing in that moment. And sometimes you sound like a fool. Like how have you ever like you've been communicating about Jesus and you're like, man, I'm not doing a very good job, but the person's heart is so hungry. It doesn't like, it's not about your performance. You're trying to remember the Romans road, right? And they're just like, just talking about Jesus, man. Like, There are people who are hungry. Their hearts are ready. Um, Jesus doesn't say like, hey, get the fields ripe for harvest because nobody wants me. That's not what he said. He said the fields are white all ready for harvest. The problem is there's no laborers in the field. There aren't enough laborers in the field. So pray to my father, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send laborers because the fields are ripe for harvest. There are people in this room Maybe you're praying for adult children who aren't serving God. Guess what? What are you praying for all the time? Because you've probably said almost everything you can, right? What are you praying for? You're pray- God, send people in their path. <laughs> send people in their path. Who could be speaking what you're, right? Send laborers. Um, our leadership team got together about this time last year. And we sat at a long table here in the sanctuary and we were doing the budget together. And after we did all the, you know, took out everything for paying bills and that kind of stuff, we had the money we were going to spend in different ministries and we were deciding together how to do it. And rather than everyone just kind of say, here's what I want for my ministry, we started with just let's pray. Like, Father, what are you doing? Jesus, you're the head of the church. What do you want to do this year? And so all of us took time to pray and we were all just listening to God, and as we were hearing from God, we all began to write down things. We felt like God was speaking to us as we were taking time in prayer. As we went around the table, there's about 20, 25 people around this table. As we're going around the table, like every single person, how many of you were at that meeting? Like quite a few of you, yeah, were at that meeting. Like every single person was saying almost the very same thing. Like, Every single person, it wasn't like money should go to this ministry, that ministry. It was, we need to get ready for guests. Like God's saying, this is a year of getting ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Basically, like you would get ready for guests coming to your home. Get ready. Um, get ready for what I'm bringing. And so we felt like this year was that year of let's get ready. Let's get things in order. Let's get systems together. Let's, you know, get the building together. Um, How many of you know when you walk in that back door, you get about to step two, and you look at the carpet, and you're like... It looks like a crime scene. <laughs> if it had crime scene tape, you'd be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense, right? I mean, so there's like these, there's ways we've been getting ready spiritually, but also how do you know, to some degree, you've got to get the place ready for guests to come. People could never find us. So one of the things we did this year is we put, we put new signage out so people could actually find where we were, like simple things like that. So um, in this year, we've been getting ready, and we put some finances toward that as well, Um. The roof, uh, we took care of about a year, a little over a year ago. Um, There's quite a few things we did this year, actually. Um, Heating and cooling units, we got those things together. There was, I'm trying to think, I made a list, actually. Um, Upstairs plumbing and some downstairs plumbing. So Mike Benici, he was like MVP of plumbing in the house. So... We actually have potable water on the first floor where they can make coffee and those kinds of things. So a lot of things that maybe um, not everyone can see, but a lot of things happening behind the scenes. Um, And so now as we come to the fall, uh, we want to come to you and say there's some things we need to do as a church together. We need to raise some money to do together. Um, And some of that involves carpet. (sighs) Like That's so good. Um, So I'm going to get to that in just a second. But let me just tell you one of the things before we get to that. that I think is really important has been happening in the house. And um, I don't think it's totally um, become super widespread yet, um, but I think it's, it's getting there. And I know God's been working in Mitch and I for the past maybe two, uh, two years or so, um, just about financial breakthrough. Um, we got really convicted about two years ago because my husband's brilliant, so he has this great job. Um, we got really convicted, like we don't really apply faith to our finances because we have enough. We have enough for ourselves, and we have enough to generously kind of give, and so we just weren't applying faith to our finances. We were believing in faith for, like, healing and all kinds of other stuff, but not our finances. And so this is part of the family meeting. So just if, have a lot of grace, because I don't want to, you know, I be able to talk just frankly with you. Part of the reason why, as we thought through it, was we grew up in the 80s. And in the 80s, there was, like, all this weird stuff around finances that kind of turned us off. And we're X generation, which tends to be a little cynical anyway. So we grew up, um, like, there'd be people on TV, and it was like, everyone should be driving a Cadillac. You know, if you love Jesus, you have a Cadillac. It was, like, this really weird stuff. We're like, really? Like, that's the, there's a lot of Jesus stuff you can do. All you can believe for is a Cadillac? Like, you know, it just felt like not. I, I, how many of you come on, you've heard, you've, and it just like didn't sit well with us. And so I think sometimes you can live away from what you don't want to be instead of living towards what you want to be. You know what I'm saying? And we began to realize like some of that kind of toxic, um, stuff around prosperity really kept us from thinking through what it means to apply faith to our finances. Like we believe, like I believed God when I didn't have money, Right when I was single, and I needed money. Like I believe for that, but once we had enough, we stopped applying faith to a large degree to our finances. I'm just, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. We had enough. We could control what We could do so. Um, God really began to talk with us um, about just how we apply faith. So number one, if God's put dreams in our hearts that can't be financed yet, we should be applying faith to our finances, and we began to think through all the things we want to do for the kingdom that we couldn't write a check for today. Um, building churches every year, and in uh, our primary partnerships in Africa and in the Arabic world, we can't we can't have our personal checkbook write a check for that today. But it's in our heart to see it. So guess what? We need to apply faith to our finances. We really have a heart to partner with other people and pay off other people's mortgages. Like that's in our heart to do. Like we would love to have a little cabal of people that go around just wiping out mortgages. Like uh, we love the idea. Like we don't, you know, we couldn't do that effectively right now. Do you get them, like, has God put dreams in your heart you can't finance right now? Then even if you have enough, you don't have enough. Do you know what I'm saying? So really we begin to think about prosperity in terms of, like, biblical prosperity is not how much you have, it's how much you give away. And we should all be into that, like, come on. Because some problems need money to be solved. Margaret Thatcher famously said, no one would have remembered the Good Samaritan if all he had were good intentions. He had money, (laughs) right? He could have seen the guy who's in trouble and been like, hey, sorry, buddy, wish I could help you. Like, good intentions weren't going to help the guy beat up. He actually had to have some money to do something to help him with, right? Right? And that should be our heart. Like, God, we don't, we don't need a bunch of stuff. In fact, for us, we're like, God, we want to live in a tiny house. Like, we don't want a bunch of stuff because you have to maintain it. We don't need more stuff. We don't need more toys. But we have, like, a ravenous desire to see more kingdom things happen. And so we've really been in this um, just learning about how to apply faith to our finances. Um, if you think about it, in a lot of ways, money is kind of the ground floor to faith. Because it's so tangible. And a lot of things in our world that we can see and touch that feel very important are reliant on money. And so in a lot of ways, money becomes this kind of ground floor to faith. If you can't get past having faith in God for money things, it's hard to believe him for a lot of other things. I just found that to be true. When Jesus tells the parable of the managers... At the end, he says, listen, if you can't be faithful with little money, then I can't give you the true riches of heaven. And so it's this very tangible thing we learn how to be faithful in. And I'm not saying that to say, um, like, to bring on guilt. I'm saying that to, like, raise hope in the house. Like, there's a lot of things we're believing God for. And I believe that God is challenging us to say, Um, there are dreams. They're not just pipe dreams. God's giving you dreams and he wants to finance them. He wants to teach us how to walk in faith, not so we can have a bunch of stuff, right? That's so corrupted way of thinking, but faith because we love his kingdom. And our lives are a vapor. Like, we're not here very long. We need to learn how to trust him and see him move. If he's put a dream in in my heart, there's not a whole lot of time to accomplish that thing. I don't have time to waste. So if that thing needs money, I need to learn how to trust God and finances. And not just for me to have what I need, but I need to trust him and how he brings in finances. And there's just some really crazy things he's been doing in our life just to show us that money is nothing for him. Um, I don't think, I can't tell a lot of the stories right now, but just... For example, a couple weekends ago, Mitch was like, you know what, I think, I think I need to, I think this stock is going to go crazy. And it's like a fake, it's like a, it's a ridiculous stock. Let me just tell you, it's a ridiculous thing. It's a ridiculous stock. It's a cryptocurrency that's ridiculous. I mean, all those cryptocurrencies are built on memes. They're not even like, they're like jokes, some of them. Can I tell him which one do you care? Because don't invest in it. I, no, I'm not going to say it. Because I'm not saying invest in it. I'm just saying he just felt like, he just thought, I just feel like that thing is going to go crazy this weekend. And um, anyway, long story short, it did. And he felt like I was saying there was money and to use it for a certain thing. And I mean, it was it went nuts. How how high did it, how, what was the increase? Yeah, so he got it and then sold it and just had that increase to do this thing with it. Like, do you understand? That's like money from nowhere. That's like money from... And he sold it on Sunday or Monday, whenever he felt like he was supposed to, and here's this money to do this thing with. that was on his heart to do. If you look online at this particular stock... The actual coin doesn't exist. The coin is a cartoon. It's not even like, it's a ridiculous thing. But it's almost like God just teaching us, like, if I put something on your heart, I can finance it like that. Like, I can do, just like he can heal cancer. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, he can, money is no different than that. And he's just been teaching us in really crazy ways. Like, listen, I'm not saying go put your money in a, in a crazy stock. I'm just saying that was like one way that God showed us. And I, I just feel like in this house and in this city, there needs to be financial breakthrough. There needs to be a sense that God can do anything he wants to do. And that if God has given us dreams, he wants to finance those dreams. When someone from this house wants to go work with a primary partner like Anna did last year, going to work with Somalis, uh, We'd we be able to say, "Yeah, go tomorrow if you need to. We've got the money in the house to do it." Yeah. If somebody wants to, if someone's willing to go work in Djibouti, <laughs> we need to be able to say, "Yes, that's not, not even an issue. The money is the least of your issues. If they're willing to go to a place where they can die, listen, they don't need to worry about money. Yeah. Right in the house. It's time for a financial breakthrough." And our city needs to see that too. And not because everything circles around money, but once you have breakthrough in that, how many of you know Like you can just believe God for stuff? When God is, when God is financing something through a cartoon stock <laughs> over a two-day period, you just realize you can do anything. You can do anything. There is no cancer that's bigger than you. There is no religion that's bigger than you. There is no country you can't turn the tide in. Like You can do anything. You can do anything. I talked about this once before, but just really quickly. So when we get that God can do that, and we're not just using finances based on what we can control, right? Like we were doing, like we have enough for ourselves and to be kind of generous, and so we're fine. We really begin to apply faith to it, and we have breakthrough in faith. We realize our our thinking gets elevated. So for instance... um, Mm -hmm. There's like earthly riches, which you can control, and there's like heavenly riches, like what God could just come and do by his hand, like cartoon stock, right? So here's the difference. Um, Buying a meal for someone or multiplying one meal to feed thousands? Paying someone's hospital bill or emptying the hospital because people got healed? Giving flowers to someone for a funeral, or wrecking the funeral because you raised the dead. Buying a hearing aid for someone who needs it, reattaching someone's severed ear. (laughs) Giving to the poor, or eliminating poverty in the city. Succeeding personally, or being able to empower other people to succeed. We've just got to think bigger. We've got to think bigger. And how much time do you have? Even you young ones, even our college students here, life is a vapor, right? Even for you that have your whole lives ahead of you, life is a vapor. I don't want to waste time just struggling to believe him. I want to believe him. And I want to grow in that. You have to set your goal to hit the goal. We can't just wake up and survive. You've got to actually set the goal. I want to see the dead raised, not because I need to see signs and wonders to believe. I believe him if I never see one more thing. I believe him. But I want the world to know how good he is. I want to see people healed because the world needs to see his glory reflecting out of us. They need to see his goodness. I want to see God do impossible things so that people can believe he is real and he is good. And his offer of salvation is legit. <clears throat> so, we need to get ready for company. We need to get ready for company. Okay, so let's talk practically. Um, ushers, do you have those little? Do you have the cards? Do you guys have? Oh, Becky has them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in two weeks, we're going to take up our cards. And what we're asking you to do is pray about, in terms of getting ready for company, there's some last things we want to do this year. Um, So in two weeks, we're going to take up these pledge cards so we'll know what we can do. Um, The first stage of what's left to do in the house is going to cost about $10,000. So um, I think I have some pictures. In that first stage, well, It won't look like that because that's not our building, but um, there's a team that's been working on just kind of a look, and so they're looking at kind of um, um, creating more consistency in the space. So if you notice the different times we grew and, like, busted out walls, there's, like, different finishes that are left. Like, at the top of these pillars, there's, like, these wood things that make no sense now, and there's all these different finishes. So the room is basically going to get really streamlined color-wise, and so um, that's a reflection of some of the, like, More, what it will look like, Um, streamlined colors, and then that's the carpet. So yay! Do you have the carpet and the wood? That's our carpet now compared to the carpet. (laughs) (laughs) They do. (laughs) We just should have stained more. Actually, there was. Let me just tell you, there was one point that we were trying to like brainstorm, but like we could tea stain the whole carpet, (laughs) and it would just but no, we didn't do that. Um, okay, so this is the wood and the carpet. So um, there's going to be wood, like the um, um, coffee areas, the different areas are going to have this wood, this light wood, and the wood we got for free. Yeah. Jesus is already doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like crazy. The wood we got for free, and then that's the wood next to the carpet. And then if you can imagine, there'll be lighter walls, and it will be a consistent color, so your eye is not going go to go, it's like all these different colors, it's going to be very streamlined. Um, and very simple in the room. Um, but that's what it will look like. Now, in t- the $10,000 between the paint and the taking care of the finishes. And, oh, that's also stripping down these pillars just to the studs. Like the, yeah, it's a little industrial look in here. But you, we won't have all this blockage. Like, Cheryl, good to see you. This is the first time I've seen you all service, right? Um, we won't have these blockages, which will be nice. So those will be stripped down, um, which will give us a little um, a little easier in terms of seating, and then the paint, and then um, the walls, pillars, beams, paint finishes, and then that will get us the foyer area of the carpet. $10,000 can do that. Oh, and then the back where you see the right now there's the, um, the sign, um, there will actually be a permanent wall there, which will be a bit higher, um, which will create a, a little more space between sanctuary and foyer area, um, which will be a help, too for us. Um, and it'll also help us reposition our sound system so we it'll it'll create a better sound in the in the room. so those those are the steps we can do um, at ten thousand um, dollars. But I kind of feel like God's like, just believe me for for bigger stuff. Like already, um, Jeff Clanton, um, he found this place that gives um, small to medium-sized churches grants to do building stuff. Up to like seven thousand dollars, and we totally qualify for everything. So he's gonna write it. We'll send it in. But how do you feel like God can just do that like so fast? So if we were to do everything in the building, we need to do um, it would be about fifty thousand dollars. So ten thousand gets us enough that visitors can come in and they're not greeted with <laughs> with our crime scenes, right? Um, which really is like we're Craig's build ranch dressing. No, I'm kidding. Craig never eats ranch dressing, so you know that's a total hypothetical. Um, so they're not greeted with their crime scenes, but at fifty thousand. So at fifty thousand, what happens is we have extra bathrooms down in the first floor. Yeah, where some of you are like yes, because <laughs> sometimes there's a line, and sometimes you just gotta go. Um, so we'd have um, additional bathrooms in the first floor. Um, the ceiling would be um, gone, and it would be painted. Have you seen like? I'm just gonna leave that there because everyone's like, oh no. Now everyone's like, what does that seem like? It will take care of some of this. Let me just say that. And then we'll be able to do our lighting. So, some of you know this building from Furman's. It was in quadrants. So, you had these, you had like all this weird lighting and like whatever. So, it would take care of all the things we need to take care of and the parking lot, which we need to reseal. And so, if we took care of every single thing, you know, $50,000, and I'm like, man, if we've already found like 7000 there there, who knows? Who knows? Um, I know even consumers gives out to um, not profits in the area. So, um, one thing I'm asking you to do is to take these home. So there's what you can do. And keep in mind, Corinthians talks about giving offerings, right? It says, be generous in giving offerings. It's not your tithe, but be generous in giving offerings, but don't do it out of compunction. Don't do it out of guilt. It says, ask the Lord what you should do and then do that, right? So that's what we're asking you to do. Ask the Lord what you should do. Um, But the second thing is we're saying, um, would you also consider what God can do beyond what you can do? So... You might just find out if your place of work gives grants in the area, because most businesses in this area give grants to not-profits, um, and they like to do it where their workers are involved, so you might check out that. You might also go to someone who, like, maybe, um, maybe you have kids, and your parents live in a different state. You might say, hey, mom and dad, do you want to give toward where your grandkids go to church? You'll be surprised at how much they care about where their grandkids go to church. Um, just, God might put some things like that in your heart. And so let's just think bigger. Let's think bigger than just, here's what I can do, but let God give you ideas. How many of you, your brains are already kind of, some of you, I can see your brains are already kind of moving, like, you know what? Who knows what God can do? But He said, get ready for guests. Get the house ready. And so we've been faithful to do that as much as we can throughout the year. And this is the last push for that. So um, I want to leave you with that um, practical piece. Um, And then would you just pray? Like honestly, if we do stuff in our own strength, the yoke is not easy and the burden's not light. It isn't. But when you're praying and you're doing what God is saying to do and you're doing it the way he says to do it and you're believing him for stuff, the yoke is easy and the burden is light. It's a joy to do it. It's not a burden to do it. So would you be praying about that too? Um, And then to the second part. The point wasn't just to do physical things in the house. It was to get the house ready for guests. As much as we love what God is doing within us, we can't just hoard it. We have to share the family. (laughs) We have to share the family. And let me just be honest, sometimes that's scary Because how many of you know, like, broken people need Jesus? Broken people who look really good on the outside, broken people who don't look good on the outside, who clearly are struggling in life, right? But broken people need Jesus. Not that only broken people will come, but how many of you know, like, the house has to be ready to say, we know who we are, we're going to invite you into health. But sometimes it can be scary when broken people behave in broken ways. And a lot of churches stay shut down because they're just not willing to deal with with the brokenness. That's just not Jesus. Jesus knew who he was. He never changed who he was because there was brokenness near him. He was who he was. We need to know who we are and be who we are, stay in health, but invite people into where we're at. And we're not perfect. We still have stuff we're working on. But we've got to be willing to invite people in. And all of us can agree theoretically, but how many of you know like when broken stuff happens, it tends to freak you out a little bit? Three of us admit. It can freak you out. There are people you know who they're ready to come into healthy family. And they might be the last people you might want to ask. I guarantee you, if you work with someone you can't stand, that's probably the very person that God is working on right now. That's probably the very person (laughs) that he would have you go to and show the goodness of God. How many of you just found that to be true? I want to read from Luke chapter 15. Making the house ready for guests, inviting people to our covenant community, making disciples, Luke fifteen. Your pastor's getting older. This needs to happen. The prince too small. Ha <laughs> ha Luke fifteen. Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near to hear to hear him and listen to him, Jesus. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying This man receives sinners and eats with them. So the religious people, the together people, they were really irritated that the not together people had come to hear Jesus' teaching. That's instructive for us, isn't it? Like, There's got to be an element of the church that just realizes it's a hospital, right? Whosoever will may come. So he told them this parable saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep, And has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents that over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. If you think about our city and the surrounding cities, our county, you think about our country right now, and things happening all around the world. We can't just enjoy the pasture. We have to have the heart of the Father that says you go, everything's going great, but you realize there's one who's lost. That becomes the priority, going and finding the one who is lost. That's the heart of the Father. That's the heart of the Father, that you go and find the one who is lost. The next parable he tells What woman, if she has 10 silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is more joy in heaven the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. The next story he tells of the prodigal son, which we've told so many times in this house, but also about the one who's lost. Well, that two brothers were lost, really. One was the rule keeper, but he was lost and one was a hedonist, he was lost. Neither of them loved the Father for who he was. If we don't bear fruit, we don't stay healthy. Churches were made to make disciples. Believers were made to make disciples. And if you're healthy, you can't stay healthy for long if you're not making disciples. There are a couple of ways we can go about that. We can say we're going to just have big events and draw people in through big events. Or we can say we should equip people to go into their spheres of influence where people are actually lost. Equip you, me being equipped, you being equipped, and going out where we live, where we work, where our kids have playdates, where our kids go to school and make disciples there. And that's really the first century biblical model The church is not the hub. Everyone comes to get saved. People who are saved come and get equipped and go. That's the model. It's scarier at first, but that's how the entire known world got turned upside down in a generation. People equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit going out to make disciples. I saw an illustration once, and I'll leave you with this. It was um, Dick Brogdon who actually had a chance to hear this week. It's so fantastic. This week I was in Arkansas with, they flew in people from Live Dead all over the world. Um, if you're not familiar with Live Dead, it's the part of the Assemblies of God that goes into the unreached people groups all over the world, you know, the dangerous places and the closed places. Um, so they flew a bunch of them in so we could be with them. It's a pretty small room of people um, who are primary partners with them. Um, but one of the examples, he didn't give it this week, but I'd heard him give it before. He talks about how you know, the bride of Christ, talks the church being the bride of Christ, and how there are all these people missing still. There are people groups who haven't been reached, people who haven't been reached for Christ, and how the bride of Christ, it's like she's missing an eye, and she's missing an ear, and she's missing a nose, and she's missing, right? You're not, the church isn't diminished by people coming in. It's not dissipated by it. It is elevated by it. And we need to think about the fact that God has made image bearers and some of them are still far from him. They're still marred. They're not redeemed image bearers yet. And the family is diminished by them not being in the house. If you get together for Thanksgiving, let's say you've grown children and you get together for Thanksgiving. So you've got four kids and two couldn't make it. It's not like the other two kids are getting more love and more attention. Like, man, I'm so glad they're not here. It feels fuller in the house while I'm here because I'm getting more. No, when two are missing, everyone feels it. You have less. You feel the loss of that. You don't have more because those two are gone. You have less because they're gone. As much energy and expenditure we might put in getting ready for guests, we are not going to have less because we will come We will have more because they come. We won't have less family feeling because the church gets bigger. We will have more family, right? We need to have that sense that the family is incomplete. The family is incomplete right now. We're at Thanksgiving, and most of the kids couldn't come. We need to go find the family. We need to go find those whose hearts are ready. They're ready for the gospel. And they're ready for Jesus to encounter their lives. Wouldn't you leave 99 who are healthy and go find the one who's lost? That's the heart of the Father. And I feel like, I don't know if you feel this way, if you've been here for any any number of, in any length of time, but don't you feel like we're ready for this stage? Don't you feel like we are ready for this stage? I just feel like in this house, there's a hunger to see it. I just like there's a hunger to see it and it's not going to happen um, without intention. It's each of us being intentional to say, my eyes are open. Where's the harvest? The fields are ripe for harvest all around us. Where's the one who's ready? Right? And it will come at the most inconvenient times. When you're in line at Myers. <laughs> in the frozen food section at Myers. Right? It might come at inconvenient times. But let's have our hearts open. It's time. How many of you feel that? It's time. It's time for us to turn this corner. It's time. We've been getting ready for guests. I think we're in the last stages of that, what that physically means. But spiritually, I feel like God's made us ready. He's made us ready. Over the next few weeks, um, as we finish Covenant and we go into global gospel, um, we'll be talking about just intentionally what that looks like for us to do that. Worship team, would you come on up? Prayer team, would you come on up? We're going to finish the service today. I know it's very informal today. Um, If you're visiting with us, thank you for just having grace for that. But as we finish up and we worship, could we take some time just to ask God, like, God, what are you putting on my heart? Not just money-wise, but God, what are you putting on my heart in terms of people? What are you stirring up in me? Maybe there's some dreams God's given you. And you've kind of let them die because you couldn't see how they would happen. Would you ask him, God, are there some dreams that you need to stir back up in because they were from you and I've let them go? I just think in this room, God can be putting a lot of different things in people's hearts. And will we just take some time to process it? Because you're going to leave through those doors or these doors back here and life is going to hit you running, right? There's going to be stuff to do and your mind will go in 10 directions So would you solidify here, while you're here, while we worship, would you solidify here what God is speaking to you? Maybe for some of you, finances have been like a noose around your neck and you're needing God just to bring breakthrough, really just give you revelation so you can really trust him and believe him. Man, there's almost nothing worse. Well, there's worse things, but I mean, when there's money when there's money pressure, man, that can just take your mind off everything else. And God wants to be able to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and let all these things be added to us as we work. I don't know what God's bringing up for you, but could we take some time to talk to him? The father is speaking all the time. Really, he's speaking all the time. We just rarely take time to listen, right? But I've been all through the day, whenever there's a moment, I can just stop and be intentional. I'm hearing him. He's speaking all the time. Would you hear what he's speaking to you? Would you take time in worship just to hear what he's speaking to you? He's speaking, he's here now. Maybe you're sick in body and you need healing. Um, there's folks in back, Kelly and Cameron are in back here. Folks up here can pray for you if you're sick in body. If there's things that God's bringing up for you you want to pray with someone, they can pray with you too listen, every believer in the house has the kingdom without measure. Every believer. So you can pray with any believer near you too. But it's good sometimes, not just to keep it in your head, but to actually out loud say, here's what God's stirring up And Would you pray with me? It helps solidify it in your heart. So would you take some time to seek God right now? There's so many things he might be stirring up for people. Would you take time just to seek him and listen as we lift him up in worship and let him speak before we leave and get distracted? Would you let him speak? Yeah. Amen? And now would you stand?
1: You are good and I'll dance because You are good and I'll shout because you are good You are good to be I'll sing because you are good and I'll dance because you are good and I'll shout because you are good You are good to me. So.
2: and continue to mold them and shape us.
0: new covenant established in your broken body and your spilled blood that you purchased our redemption and through it you're making all things new all things in us all things around us you are making all things new we just want to partner with you in that we just want to partner with you in that Jesus We don't want to waste one day. Father, we thank you for covenant community, that you didn't leave us alone, (laughs) but you've given us each other. Father, we thank you for what you've done among us and are doing among us. Now, Father, we just set our sights out. We say we're ready for harvest. We're making ourselves ready. We want to share what you've done in us. Spirit we need revelation from you to live in that eyes that can see fields that are white for harvest we get distracted we get distracted by cares of this world we're distracted easily we need revelation from you to understand your heart and to love what you love and to cry over what you cry over so give us revelation let it come from you We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We only want to do your will. (laughs) Help us, Lord. Fix our eyes on what your eyes are fixed on, Lord. You're so good. (laughs) You're so good. And we just want everyone to know how good you are. We want to see your glory cover this earth like the waters cover the sea. Completely. you pray with me our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory of forever. Amen. Amen. Don't leave until you've encouraged somebody. If you're new, I'd love to meet you. I'm back by the coffee. You can meet me there, uh, but encourage somebody before you go. Amen. God bless you.